glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tuns. We're Homebrew Bad. I'm Casey. And I'm Miles. And this is Homebrew Bound, the, the best, best beer show, show on the internet. Well, at least according to my mom. <laughs> uh, we're doing something a little different today. We're actually on location at a homebrew brewing thing. We That's are. We're brewing. We are. And it's... Uh, uh, yeah, we're at Eric's house. Eric is here. Hola. We are recording live in Minneapolis. Richfield, technically. Uh, Richfield. Whatever is technically. South Minneapolis, Richfield, Edina, whatever they all so, yeah, we'll, together. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll dig into the brew that we're working on today in a little bit here. Uh, but before we do that, last week we tried uh, this. A Goza and a Session India Pale Ale by Eric well, you brewed the Goza with well, me. Well, I was with the yeah. Goza, but we're talking oh. about the IPA we, yeah, today. We could quickly lay into the Goza, though, just for some background information. Yeah, let's talk about this Goza that so, tasted like seawater. <laughs> a little briny, eh? A little um, bit. So what I was trying to go for, or what, well, recipe formation-wise, was a take off a commercial beer called Westbrook Brewing Company's Goza. And on the can itself, it says sour, delicious, salty. Yeah, all in kind of a thing. Anyways... Uh, this beer was our first try, Miles. Yes. Uh, we didn't let it sour nearly long enough. Correct. That is my fault. Um, and we used just a hair too many grams of salt in the boil, when really we probably should have left the salt out until packaging. Yeah. And probably so used less. I think last week our comments on it were that the, the quality of the salt just did not come through uh, properly, right. and then uh, I could barely taste the beer through the salt. I'm not gonna. Yeah, lie. no, I mean, and everyone has a, everyone has their own interpretation of yeah. what a gozi even is. If it you've also had has, Goose Town, people also have their own salt th- taste thresholds. thresholds. Exactly. Yep. So that's a, it's a touchy style. Probably not the best style to give out to everybody. Um, yeah. I personally, you know, yeah, it's a little briny, a little salty, but I kind of dig it. No, and, it could um, be more lactic, lemony, and sour to yeah. balance out that brininess, and you know, rebrew. Take care of it. And then uh, Eric actually followed up with me to inform me that um, my preconception of what the beer was supposed to be was actually way off. And that's okay. This was Eric's recipe. Uh, I was just going to help make sure that the beer happened the way it was supposed to. And having had it since then, I, I can definitely see where it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. Obviously, there's still some improvement needed. Well, I say we cut down the salt to 20 grams. Well... I add not, it differently and sour it more. I'm not entirely sure that the salt is too much. I'll agree that maybe we added it at a different time, but the it there's not enough sour. Right, 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 right. right. So we really we should have left it on lacto for 30 days in my yeah. shed versus 3. If there was more yeah. sour, it would have been a different story. Yeah. Anyways, it was next beer, it'll be great. Yeah. Hopefully. Awesome. Anyway, anyways, what are we tasting yeah, uh, now? Yeah, now we have this pale ale okay, in front of us. So, so we, this, we we said it was an IP or an IPA? Yeah. Yeah, you guys call it an IPA. My, or on the show, it's called an IPA. Um, and when you think of IPA, you think of 6% alcohol by yeah. volume, 70, 80 IBUs type yeah. of thing. Well, this beer is actually uh, um, a recipe that I wrote while wa- uh, binge watching season two of Orange is the New Black. Okay. It's called Piper <laughs> Pale, Piper's Pale Ale and or Session IPA. So it is a 4.7% alcohol by volume um, session... I guess a hoppy session okay. beer, really. So this beer uses um, 90% pale ale malt, which you can definitely taste. 
um, a splash of caramel pills for lacing and head retention, which if properly carved, you would get. Uh, and then caramel crystal, 3% for color, which I think the color is one of the standout things about this beer. Oh, it, it looks it's gorgeous. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Um, Bittering, I use Simcoe at 60, one ounce, and then um, everything else was five minutes and under. So a uh, half ounce of mosaic, an ounce of citra, and an ounce of German hull melon, which is a new hop. Okay. Um, supposed to give melon and strawberry notes, which right. you don't really pick up on. No. And then uh, it was dry hopped with all three. And, okay. And it, this is a grain to glass in seven days. Very nice. Very so nice. with that, and now when you're drinking it here, sorry. Um, is about three weeks old. Three weeks old. Okay. So uh, just to kind of recap on the notes that we had last show, and these might be slightly different, so don't quote me on these 100%. Oh, and if you guys hear any like background, weird background noise, we're right near the airport, so you might hear some planes and stuff flying over. But uh, aroma, I loved it. I thought it smelled fantastic. And it still does. And it still does. Definitely better a week yeah. ago. The, More the, uh Really, the only thing I, I didn't like about... The taste was the hop seemed muddled. It was mm-hmm. I couldn't pick anything out. They weren't bright, no. um, and they weren't juicy like I wanted. First first pour was awesome. It reminded me kind of my first sip of heady topper like beer, where it was really juicy, explosive, kind of like pseudo sue. Yep. And every day since it's then, been it's just dropping. Yeah, and that's that's hoppy beer. That's just yeah. what it is. Yep. Is but, it possible that it's because you used Simcoe for the bittering? Because Simcoe just has this tendency to be overpowering. Dominate. Yeah, totally. And, and um, maybe it's kind of hiding the flavors that we I get some grassiness as where it's sitting right now. Like yeah. right now, it's starting to go grassy. And yeah. I just want to kill it. Um, well, I mean, I drink like, it all. I like a good, earthy, happy beer. Some do, some don't. Um, yeah, I think I think definitely if I if and when I do rebrew this one, I'll probably cut the Simcoe edition and just use Hop Shot. There you go. Because I like that clean bitterness. Just mm-hmm. get my IBUs to right around 40, 45, and then maybe just use one or two hops versus a varietal of three. Yeah. And that, that is kind of stems into another question of hop freshness from where you're buying your hops. Yeah. Makes sense. You know? that I mean, hops shouldn't fade this quickly. No. I mean, they, they did fade really quickly, but I mean, did, did they fade or did something else take it over? Like, did... Possible. did uh, you know, you have your normal hop fade, but maybe with the, all the varieties that you had, uh, some faded faster than the one sure. and it just took over the entire flavor. Who knows? I, it, it would be worth doing just single well, hop pale ale. I, I feel if that was the do. case, you'd at least be able to taste that one. I still get this um, inability to pick out any one yeah, flavor. Yeah, well, if, well my, my theory there is if, if one's going to take over, it's going to cover the other ones, but not completely. Okay. And so they're still going to come through, but you're not going to be able to pick them out individually. Like even that main one, that flavor is going to be muddled with the last. And they're one. all in, used in equal proportion, so it makes sense that they're completely muddled and dis- indiscernible. Mm-hmm. So, well, it's food for thought, and it definitely isn't a bad beer. No, it's not my favorite I've made. It's it's drinkable, and yeah. that I mean that's what we're all going for when we make home beer. It right? is crushable. Some something that we can drink, and that we're we're not embarrassed about. No. I think it's it's better than some of the homebrews I've had. I've had some well, bad a good majority. I haven't, you know, <laughs> other than near homebrew, I haven't really had a heck of a lot of great homebrew. That's right, pander. I mean, <laughs> I've, had a lot of, I've had a lot of people say, "Yeah, I'm a homebrewer. You should drink this." And they gave me a bottle of something, and it's like swamp water. <laughs> Woo! 
Swamp water, pale ale. Ooh. Mountain crest. Full yeah, of I don't malaria. know. Thanks for the feedback, though. It is it is nice to have like a well-rounded palate's yeah. worth of feedback. All right. Well, um, let's... Whoa. Well, the goose is ready. The goose is apparently itself. ready. Holy if you shit. guys heard that, <laughs> glasses, people. Bottoms Man. up. Holy cow. <laughs> that is awesome. I'm glad I wasn't sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe that. <laughs> so for those of you who are wondering what happened is we had we had a goose sitting uh, that in its un- traditional serving basket. Yep. Uncaged, because we were gonna we were gonna try it soon. In about and ten, maybe fifteen minutes. Yeah, in about ten minutes we were gonna we were gonna pour it and talk about it. Uh, and it decided that it wanted to be drank now, and the cork popped out on its own. Popped out? It shot out at Mach 5. I mean, that if that hits you in the face, you may be unconscious. Dude, I'm pretty sure we could have downed a squirrel on a tree next block. Uh, yeah, that, it would be a Man, good I'm kind of sad that we closed that now. Yeah. <laughs> Where is it? It's over uh, there. No, it's over. Oh, it bounced, did it bounce back it, over there? Yeah, it bounced back behind me Okay, somewhere. so the goose is ready to be talked so about. So I, I think we got to talk about this goose now. Yeah, so... I'll, I'll give I'm glad quick... we got that on air. Yeah, I actually am too. Dude, I hope oh, you can accentuate that, that later. Um, so this is a uh, Guza from Tilken is the name of the blendery. Okay. So Tilken doesn't actually brew their own Lambic wort and or Goose wort. What they do is they import and or um, have um, wort brought in from Cantillon and I believe Boone, and they basically blend these beers to their liking. So, like, the art of Lambic and Goose really comes from the blender. Makes sense. Um, So this is Cantillon Wart in oak barrels at Tilken, and then blended to their liking. Oh, awesome. So this bottle hit distro here in Minnesota, I think it was 20? Which isn't too bad for stateside yep. goose for a very, very good one at that. And I think this one clocks in at 6.4% alcohol by volume. Okay. It, you know, it actually makes me really happy, the concept there, that there are places out there doing that. Because it's, it's one thing to, um, to taste what a brewery has in mind to give to you, but it's another thing to be able to take what someone else does and then tailor it yourself. Right. Yeah. And, so, and get a whole new look at uh, the same thing in a different way. For those listening who don't really know what we're talking about, uh, this is Beer of Spontaneous Fermentation. The Ode, or Old, Tilken Goo, or Guza Tilken is made from blending of one, two, three-year-old Lambics. Unfiltered, unpasteurized, this beer is re-fermented in the bottle. Okay. So, yeah, and this says best before uh, January 16th of 2024. I think I think we beat that. Yep. Just a little bit. So what you're saying is we're drinking it about a decade early. Yeah, there's more in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, should we go ahead and get some impressions? Yeah, let's on it? let's let's talk Since about we're this beer. brewing lambic today. Yes. We are brewing which, lambic. Which we'll talk about. Well, we yeah. were going to talk about before the uh, the goose the really interrupted horror beer. <laughs> this is like a backward segue we're working on at the moment, guys. Right? It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I get that. This is exactly what I kind of want to achieve in Lambic yeah. is that, that funky, barnyardy. So are um, you going to make another and blend? Or are you yes. just going to so, yeah. bottle the this The plan is, is, so we're doing 10 gallons today. 
And five gallons of it will go into oak barrel and sit for about a year, six months to a year, depending on six, flavors. 12, we'll 18 months. Pull it back out, put it in primary, rebrew another 10 gallon batch, rinse, yeah. lather, repeat until we can blend and make our own. Okay. So and in about three years, you can start making. Yeah. <laughs> so after so it's so a project. Like our 300th episode, we'll, right. we'll finally taste the finished product of what we're going to talk about today. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of sad, um, but yeah, that is yummy. I don't just yummy. <laughs> if you told me this was Cantillon Classic Goose, I'd believe you. Would you have paid thirty bucks a bottle for it? Thirty, no, but twenty, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, for mm. for how how much time this stuff spends in a brewery? It's been the like, liquid itself. It's old. Like it takes a long time to make one of these beers. That is fantastic. As it's really nice. Can we get any more descriptive than it's like dry and it waters out your mouth Funky, at the same time? Dry. It's got the right kind Slight of slight lactic. It's got the perfect amount of sour balance. It mm-hmm. it really does. Like it's tart enough to the point where you could call it lamagoose sour, but it's it, not like um, the pH isn't low enough to the point where you're like, oh my god, my tongue is buckling. It's even mm-hmm. perfectly balanced in the aroma. Yeah. It's like you 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 get the initial and the forefront. Uh, just that acetic sour, like this is a classic barnyard funky thing going on, but right, right underneath that you get that, you know, the malt bill. You can smell it, and it's just perfect. Yeah, it sits right on top, and it's well, just and, awesome. Well, and and it's not a lingering sour. No, it it clears quick it's a enough. Quencher. Yeah, where I'm 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 already like, oh yeah, I need more. All right, let's yeah. go. Let's and do it this. it drinks like about three percent. Right. The one thing I will say with lambic and goose, since we're we're drinking it, we're brewing it. Do you guys, the the whole reason we went through what we're going to talk about here in a minute is because of this mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. This drinks yeah. medium to full-bodied. This oh, doesn't yeah, drink like a little airy pilsner, you know? Yeah. It's got a nice cloudiness to it. It's not It's not too hazy. If I were to rate it on YouTube, which I'm not going to, but I'd probably give this one a 96. I love 96. it. 96. This is... Great base beer. This is like a very classic, very prime, perfect example of what this style tries to get across. Right. And then in addition to that, it's just an exceptional example at the same time. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, well, since you mentioned it, what what YouTube thing? If you like, you have a YouTube channel, right? Okay. Want to talk yeah. about that so, a bit? Yeah, I'll go quick about this. Um, so about a year and a half ago, I got the idea that, hey, I can record video with a Mac and hey, I already watch people who review beers on YouTube. And hey, I've already had, at this point, 1,800 plus different beers. Why don't I start sharing my experiences on like a video log mm-hmm. on YouTube for those who care? <laughs> and there are 101 of you at this time, and thank you all for doing that. Um, but yeah, basically, I just buy a beer, nine out of ten times, or it's given to me. And then I record and share my thoughts from aroma to appearance to taste final impressions and, and lately a lot of people don't like it and there are a lot of people who do is a cost versus like value. rating breakdown cost oh, versus okay. value so it, it's a hard thing yeah. to do because like if you pay 20 something dollars for a bottle and it completely sucks you paid way too much for a beer that you didn't yeah. but on the other end of the spectrum if you paid 25 dollars for a bottle of beer and it's one of the greatest tasting things you've ever had is it worth it? Is it Absolutely. worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, one it's of the things... It's a hard thing to do. 
uh, people know that I work at a liquor store, and so I always have this retail kind of mindset to virtually anything we talk about. I will also say that there are many times I've sold products to people. I've said, you will probably not, like, this won't be your favorite beer. It won't be as mind-blowing as you might think it would be. But at $20 a six-pack and you've never had it, it's worth it the first time. Totally. Hands like down, slam. it's worth it the first time. Hops slam, worth, worth it the, the first, first time. time. Second yeah. time, debatable. And, and you know what? I told that to someone specifically about Hop Slam, too. Okay. If you've never had it, it's worth it the first time. Yeah. After that... You but know, then there are. even then, I'd, I'd rather take somebody to like someplace like the Nova, get them a pint right. for six bucks, and then right. you've had Hop Slam. You don't need to. Well, I think it's. Well, he had friends to share with too. Yeah. No, oh, wait, the Nova's cheap. Excuse me, I yeah. thought Happy Gnome. No, no. Um, either Nova. way, but then on the other side of the spectrum, when you're talking about twenty dollars six packs, look at Abrasive. It's a sixteen dollar four pack. Yep. But I. Buy a brace of all day long. It's my probably my favorite double IPA. Yeah, no, and and that's the thing. Like there are also some some beers like Java Stout. At least personally, in my opinion, is it worth seventeen dollars for a six tap six pack? I think so every time. It's fantastic. That's cool. So, yeah. So I the YouTube channel is just kind of a hobby in my part time, and um, up until about a week and a half ago. I just recorded on a laptop camera. Now I'm trying to up production value and give somebody like like YouTube is growing into its own thing. Yeah, it is. It has been evolving so rapidly that it's its own TV show effectively. Yeah. So I, even if it's a three to five minute video, Monday, Wednesday, Friday that I put up, I need to pack in quality produced content you need for the my production viewer value there versus yep. just a, a streamlined like, webcam shot. Yeah. Granted, people still watch me and people love it, and I love the community. That's the one thing I will say. YouTube has a fantastic community. I've met people off of YouTube. I chat with people. I tweet with people all day long. It's you know, it's, yeah. it's just it's a nurturing thing. It's nice. Some of the connections you can build are going to be like totally the yeah. beer trades, everything. So, yeah, Very thanks cool. for that. Well, you got to plug people, right? That's pretty much. So shall we move into... So yeah, let's let's talk about this brew day uh, that, well, I, I got invited to tag along and watch, essentially. Uh, and, and record. You, you and record. I, I've, been, I've been doing some recording stuff, but uh, it's your guys' brainchild, so why don't you tell me a little bit about it? Uh, so about a week or so ago, Eric said he wanted to make, or he wanted to just brew anything, didn't care, something, just so we brew again. And he settled on a Lambic. And Ooh, I think you kind of settled on a Lambic. You but. said Lambic and Porter. Ah, and I said, see. And so I looked at Lambic, and then the deeper and deeper I went, I said, if we're going to do a Lambic and it's going to be our barreled beer, we're going to, for the love of God, do it right. And so, rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> How long did our mash take us? Oh, God, it's been the majority of our brew day, which yeah. you should probably check the boil. But uh, I suppose. I would say three and a half hours. Yeah, about. From once the equipment was ready to go and we put in our first edition of water, I'd say three and a half hours. Okay. So maybe, I, maybe three. I stumbled upon um, some excerpts that took a lot of notes from uh, Cantillon Brewery, and I ended up putting together pages and pages of notes specifically for myself so that I could plan out this mash, which is a turbid mash, so that we could do a classic Lambic. Yeah, like, like a Cantillon right fashion. I'm just going to interject. What is a turbid mash? 
kind of. All right, we're back. We had to stop and, uh, well, we ran out of propane. Yeah, emergency run. Good thing <laughs> I literally emergency ran run. kitty corner to the little <laughs> El bait shop, if you will. Right. Hopped in the car. He was already back like three and a half minutes later. Yeah, it was it quick. It was not painless. Long. Um, All right, so we were talking about uh, turbid mashing. So yeah. what is turbid mashing? Uh, turbid mashing is, okay, so the mash is a series of rests, or at least for most people, a single rest, Yep. where you do uh, starch conversion into sh- simpler sugars. Uh, for more complicated mashes, you can do rests at different temperatures, um, all of them lower, to accomplish different things. Okay. And there are several ways to jump it to these different temperatures from low to high to accomplish that. And most people would use just um, infusion steps where you add more hot water into the system to bring the temperature up to the next rest. Okay. There's something called a decoction mash where you remove stiff grain or grain without the wort, heat it up, and then reintroduce that to raise the temperature and then there's turbid mashing where you remove the wort, heat that up, and then reintroduce that to the mash to get to the next step or temperature step. Okay. And so that's turbid mashing. And the point of doing all of that is to, in this case, work with the unmalted grains and have a wort that is high in amino acids and nitrogen. Okay. And starches. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's the biggest yes, thing. Yes, no, that's yeah. true. Uh, it's, it's, high, it, it, high in starches that are unfermentable. Big complex molecules that... Dextrins, et cetera. Dextrins that, um, wild use like lactobacillus and long-term Britannomyces pediococcus will Thrive eat on. at over time and lower pH. Okay. So after after our three and a half hour mash, yeah. what's, what's next? Boiling. All right. Boiling until it's, we hit volume. Okay. So we're, we're boiling down to volume, not... For like 60 minutes or whatever. I mean, we're going to start with 60 minutes, and uh, then we're going to see where we're at. I mean, we had a really nice mash. We came yeah. out at 1.038. Okay. Shooting for 1.051-ish, somewhere okay. in there. So. Well, the 10, what, what do we say? 1038? Yeah, correct. That's before boil. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's okay. a really good mash. Yeah, so we, we did well, but... Uh, Part of what I think Casey is getting at is we do use hops in the boil, but it really doesn't matter when we put them in because the hops used for Lambic, do you want to do that? Okay, so yeah, yeah. Uh, hopping in Lambic, typically um, these hops are aged. They're oxidized already. They have lost all bittering properties, more okay. or less speaking. And, and most of their flavoring properties too. Yeah, so really what they're there for is um, keeping things in balance. Stability. Stability and balance. Um, and shelf life. And shelf life, really. Okay. So what we're using is a blend of aged hops that Miles provided. Um, I believe an ounce of crystal. There's some cascades. And I forget the other, but like they, six, they really shoot for low alpha acid because um, international or IBUs, yep. international bittering units, um, lactobacillus really needs 10 or less. Five okay. or less is optimum. All right. Otherwise, and it just doesn't work. I, you might have already said this, but how long are you going to keep them in the boil? Like the hops, probably right at sixty minutes. Right at sixty minutes, okay. Yeah, and then uh, however long we go. Norm- normally, you can, um, you don't boil for a certain amount of time. You boil until you reach volume. Okay. And you would just add hops in at the beginning of the boil, just to make sure you get all of their preservative properties infused into the into the beer. Okay. 
And so it's pretty straightforward. Hops are only there to stabilize the beer in the long term. Okay, very cool, very cool. Um, and then what uh, Eric was about to get to is the fact that if you have too many IBUs in, which is why you shoot for the lower IBUs hops in the, anyways, is that um, Britannomyces and Lactobacillus can get scared off by too many IBUs from doing the thing that they like to do over a long period of time. Okay. Oh. All right. Um, all right. So boil's done. You've transferred. Then uh, what are we? So then you're you're transferring after primary. So how long is your primary fermentation going to be? Um, ideally, it can take anywhere from six months to two years for for primary. I mean, primary is the longest point. So are are you are you racking directly into a barrel then, or so five gallons of this beer is going to rack directly into a barrel probably after about three months. Okay, so you're going to leave it in glass for three months and then I'm going to play it by ear. Okay, why why leave it in glass that long and then transfer? Just to ensure everything's working. Okay, um, I want to visually. Once it's in barrel, you have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. Best thing you can do is shoot uh, a picture directly in the bunghole. <laughs> and uh, you can see the pellicle. Hopefully, there's a pellicle. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and so, so you, so you want to get it the in there before. The least amount of oxygen exposure possible is going to give you the best possible product. Okay. So, as, me- as few as many times as you can get from going into glass to going into glass bottles, the, you know, that's ideal. Right. Uh, two things. Uh, are you going to transfer before the pellicle? Well, uh, it, it all depends sir. on how fast everything works. So we're okay. using two different yeasts. We're using um, a blend of, it's called Bug County Okay. from Al's East Coast Yeast. Kind of sounds a, like a uh, sweet Quickie Mart name. Mm-hmm. Yeast blend. Uh, yeah, it's a proprietary blend that he's cultured up, and it is lactobacillus, saccharomyces, various Britannomyces strains, and some pediococcus. Okay. The other one we're using is just a generic commercial blend made available by Y Yeast that I mm-hmm. picked up and the other five gallons will go on that with an oak spiral. Okay. We'll see what happens. I All mean, right. it, I've never used a Lambic blend. I've only ever fermented with dregs and brett. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of a learning All right, very thing. cool. Uh, what is a pellicle? A pellicle is a <laughs> Google it. Uh, a pellicle <laughs> can range from a thin filmy white layer to something that looks like a human vomited inside the carboy. No, uh, it it protects the underlying product from oxygen. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a barrier. That, that forms naturally from the yes. bacteria. Honestly, it's basically like this nice fuzzy layer of mold with a whole bunch of bubbles you'll see at it. It's a crapshoot, though. Some yeah. beers don't form them. You can use the same culture on two different warts, and some pellicles will form, some you'll never see a pellicle. There's the science. I'm sure there is science to back it up. But at a home brewing level, no one really has the literature on hand. Nobody has it. Okay. So, I mean, it, it just depends. There, there are just too many variables. I guess we'll check the gravity and determine if its primary is done. If it's down to like 1008. 10, 1008, yeah. I'll throw it into the barrel, and then, then from there on, it should drop to about even 1.000. Okay, so... Depending yeah, on pH, uh, too. Yeah, so, so, you're, so you're looking for your primary to be almost finished, and then let the other bugs just keep 
eating it down mm-hmm. until and that barrel should in the barrel. contain some nice bugs in it too because okay. it previously held a wild beer oh nice so is this a barrel you've used before yep okay so, uh, several times uh it started as a whiskey barrel from balcones and texas distillery they're uh white Corn whiskey? Yeah, so we used... Or was it a blue corn whiskey? Blue corn. Um, okay. We did an imperial stout, a barley one, and a wee heavy in there. Okay. And then we decided, well, let's turn it sour. Awesome. Very so, cool. So I'm, I'm excited. This yeah. is probably one of the most exciting undertakings in our eight years of homebrewing history. Very cool. Very cool. Well, um, unless you have anything to add, Miles, I think we're good to wrap up here. And I was going to say, even though we've never done one, it was. I'm glad that we just took it back and we started from the absolute beginning there's a lot of shortcuts you can take for making a proper lambic style ale but um, we'll call it an american wild ale really yeah well yeah, it, yeah you can't inspired. call it a lambic right? well i said lambic style yes yeah yeah and um, he's correct politically we uh we definitely did about it as traditional as we could so i mean we 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 took a lot of notes from Cantillon's process and just incorporated it into what we did today. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Uh, well, we'll be back with a regular show hopefully next week. And yeah. So I hope you enjoyed this little excursion from the norm. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Yep. Hey, guys. Casey here. Uh, I just want to do a quick wrap up. Uh, the brew finished up amazingly. Uh, they hit all of their numbers. It was fantastic. I just want to thank Eric again for you know putting up with us and letting us record in his garage you rock man it's very cool uh if you want to support us you can do that by uh, going to our homepage, page uh, blindedstudios.com and clicking on the amazon affiliate link at the bottom of the homepage there if you click on that and then just do your regular amazon shopping as usual uh we'll get a nice little kickback and you'll support us and it won't cost you anything but just a little bit of time and all that time is clicking on a link. So you're going to do that anyway. It's just an extra click, and it's perfect. Uh, other than that, we have our Patreon, which is like a recurring uh, donation uh, that you can set up. Uh, you can also do one-time donations there as well, if you don't want to do the recurring thing. But for as little as a dollar a month, you can help support us and help us keep bringing you awesome beer radio. All right, uh, if you have any feedback on this episode or any of our other shows, go ahead and send us an email at feedback at blindindustudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or you can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week.